When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Despondent is the nothing personal word of the day. It's Monday, October 17th. Happy birthday to Big John. Despondent is how teams feel when you work all year. And baseball season to me seems very long. Spring training starts in February. You go, everyone's excited. There's cameras in Florida and Arizona. The weather's good. You're doing little drills. You then can't wait for spring training games to start, even when they're delayed because of a lockout. You have an entire regular season, which is a grind and a half. 162 games in 183 days. Barely any time off. You get into such a routine, then the playoffs start, and then bang, bang, boom, you're done in a game or two. That's the wild card losers. You get yourself into the division series, especially when you have a bye. Baseball changed the entire playoff structure to reward division winners. We would sit around and we would talk about ways in meetings. How do we get regular season games to matter more? How do we get players to care more? How do we get fans to care more? How do we engage more fans? And there were several ways that all made sense. Number one, let's expand the playoffs. That way, more cities will be involved later because there's nothing worse than a city where there's nothing to play for. They're playing out the string as of August 1st. And the incentive to go to games is diminished. So let's get more teams involved. That'll be helpful. Now, how do we get the players to care? Well, that's a bit, that's a tougher one. You go back to the NBA where every team makes the playoffs and you've got players saying, hey, we're focused on the playoffs. We're not thinking about the regular season. Those sort of comments in the NBA used to give us shivers because we did not want our players saying that in baseball. We wanted players to say the opposite, like, Hey, we're playing 162 and we've got to win the division. So we wanted to come up with what would be the best benefit. And so we sat in a room and what the GM said is it would be great to go into a playoff series where our pitching is lined up and our opponent's pitching is not. So the opponent has to pitch backwards, if you will. And we get to pitch forwards. Pitching backwards is when your number three starter starts game one, your number two starter starts game two, your number one starter starts game three. The ultimate backwards would be four, three, two, one, but realistically it's three, two, one. And that would be good, they said. 
All right, how do we achieve that? Well, how about if we make it so important to win a division that we guarantee you can line up your rotation and we compress the schedule to the point where wildcard teams have to really get up in it. They're going to have to use everyone just to get to you. But then baseball and the union couldn't get an agreement and the St. Louis Cardinals won a division and their reward for winning a division was having to play a two out of three series. Now, then we said, we need to give you an advantage there. Okay, fine, we'll play it all at home. You don't have to travel, you can stay in your own bed. Everything's fine. We're gonna make a team come in and beat you two out of three in your own ballpark. And I said, that's really not as big an advantage as you think because it's not like the NBA. It's much easier for teams to win two out of three on the road in basketball than it is to win in baseball than it is two out of three in basketball. So then we said, well, how about if we make it so the best division winners get the bye and the worst division winner has to play? And we said, no, let's give a bye to every division winner and let's make sure, let's either, either have fewer divisions Maybe get rid of all divisions and just let the top two seeds get the buy or the top three seeds get the buy. But we have to make it clear early that a division winner, no matter what, even if your division stinks, even if you win a division with 85 games or 89 games or like the Guardians with 90 games, 89 games, 91 games, whatever they won, we can't make it so the Guardians winning their division means less than the Braves winning their division. And that's what baseball's done, and that does not make sense to me, and it did not make sense to a lot of other executives. You are making it so, hey, we have to have a race to the top of the division winners, but if you're not going to catch, and it's a perfect example in the American League, when you're not catching the Yankees or the Astros, does that take away from what the Guardians did? It shouldn't. But the Guardians were forced to play the Rays in the first round. They got past the Rays in the first round, but they did not have that advantage. So this is the first year of the expanded playoffs, not the wild card. There's been a wild card for a very long time. The Marlins in 03 were a wild card world champion. The, the Marlins in 97 were a wild card world champion. But this is the first year where there were an extra two days off after the season where the top two teams in each league had a bye and they had their pitching totally lined up, ready to go. We start a five-game series. It's a short series. The problem with the five-game first round, as we've pointed out to the commissioners from Selig to Manford, is that a five-game series in baseball leaves a lot more to chance than a seven-game series. And what we were told is the timeline for, a, for the uh, playoffs does not allow for a seven game series in the divisional round. The broadcasters do not want baseball in November. The weather gods do not want baseball in November. There is something about a World Series if you're not in a warm weather climate where it is so freezing that it impacts the play, it impacts the fan experience. You're just, it's not football, you're cold. And the games can go for six and a half hours. What's never talked about is what happens in a rain delay or a rainout, the way the Yankees lost a game in this series. We did spend plenty of time talking about putting roofs on every ballpark, but MLB didn't want to spend the money and the teams didn't want to spend the money and the municipalities didn't want to spend the money. But what a bizarre sport 
when you know that your most important games are not guaranteed to be played at their scheduled time. What a bizarre sport when you know your most important games may be impacted by weather conditions that you cannot control. People say that's baseball. That's the beauty of baseball. I don't agree. I want the beauty of baseball to be the game on the field. Those are why we're trying to change some of the rules. It's why the shift is being banned. It's why we're made relievers face three batters. It's why there's going to be a pitch clock. We are trying to incentivize baseball that's fun to watch. Not an 18-inning game that is scoreless that takes six and a half hours where we're literally watching every player try to walk it off and they end up popping it up or striking out. Not a game with 39 or 40 strikeouts and three walks. That is not the baseball that we want to deliver to you, the fans. Is that what you want? How many of you watched six and a half hours of baseball on Saturday in one game? The Astros against the Mariners. How many of you? It's the beauty of it is what we're told by traditionalists. You should embrace postseason games like that. They're the old ESPN instant classic. That is not how we think about it inside the game. There was nothing instantly classic about the Astros Mariners game. It was a double game, an 18 inning game Saturday, eliminating the Mariners. And ironically, the Astros are the only team who got a buy in the first round who have advanced to the league championship series so far they're the only one the Dodgers got eliminated and the Braves got eliminated a possible LCS matchup predicted by many eliminated let's talk about why the Dodgers and the Braves are so despondent right now so the Dodgers go through the season Dave Roberts says we're going to win the World Series he's the manager of the Dodgers in March he gives an interview saying we are winning the World Series he doesn't take into account the strange things that can happen during the playoffs. He doesn't even have it occur to him that he has a team that can be subject to an upset in a short series. Deep down, he knows it's possible. The front office knows it's possible, but unlikely. So the Dodgers go to their series with San Diego Padres coming off a great wild card victory over the New York Mets, another 100-win team that now is gone. Not only did they lose the division to the Braves, then they lose the wild card to the Padres, and that's it. They're finished. So we've talked about the Mets. There's no reason to talk about them further. But the Padres move on, and they go against the Dodgers. The Padres finished over the course of 162 games, 22 games worse than the Dodgers. 22 games back. In baseball, what that means, in a six-month season, let's say there's 30 days in a month, take one of the months, take 22 of those days, and every single one of those days, the Dodgers won, the Padres lost. And for the rest of the year, they did the same thing every day. It's almost impossible to believe that the Padres finished 22 games behind the Dodgers. So the Dodgers go into the playoffs, and we told you on nothing personal, they are a 111-win team with a lot of problems. Their bullpen is problematic. Their starting rotation is problematic. And if you don't string together hits in the postseason, you have a problem. That's three problems in one paragraph. Sorry, Coca. Too much alliteration for this morning episode of October 17th. So the Dodgers come in, and what happens? 
it's not even close. The Padres beat him three games to one. The Padres going with Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell and then Joe Musgrove. And the Dodgers going with what? Urias? Kershaw? Tyler Anderson? Tony Gonsolin? What happened? What do you do when you're a 111-win team and you get eliminated from the playoffs? As president of the team, the first thing I do is I'm calling Major League Baseball. And I'm expressing to them my extreme anger at this postseason schedule, my extreme disappointment in the lack of off days, in the lack of true advantage, in the desire in the, to have the Dodgers play a five-game series. Back in the day, you weren't allowed to play a team in your division until the league championship series. They would reseed or redo everything so you couldn't play a team in your division. We eliminated that because we thought it would be good for you, the fans, to have a series like the Padres and the Dodgers. It is not good for baseball that the Dodgers are out of the playoffs. The broadcast networks like having an L.A. team. They like having a New York team. They'd like to have a central team as well. And if they could choose their final four teams, if they could choose, they'd have the Dodgers, they'd have the Cardinals, they'd have the Yankees, they'd have the Astros. That would be their choice. Engaging the most people on both sides. Remember, apathy is what we protect against. You want people who hate the team and people who love the team. People are going to watch out of anger and watch out of love. So the Dodgers get together and they're stunned. Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations, looks at his team and says, wow, I have to publicly say that, listen, we're a very successful season. We've had an epic run of winning the division so many years in a row. We have a World Series victory in 2020. How could you think anything other than we are a dynasty? And I say the Dodgers are the Cubs. The Dodgers are the Royals. The Dodgers have one ring in a COVID-shortened season in Texas. That's it. People have had the other side of the argument, which is, no, you don't get it. You just want the opportunity to play in the postseason. The only teams who say that are the teams who get eliminated and don't get the ring or don't make it to the World Series. Then they turn the narrative upside down and say, hey, we're just happy to have had the chance. That means we're successful. What exactly are the Dodgers planning to do? What do fans of the Dodgers want? What do fans like what I asked about the Mets? What are you angry? You need Steve Cohen spending more money? You want to spend money smarter? When owners spend, don't spend money, people get angry. When owners spend money and don't win, people get angry. When owners win and they didn't spend money, people get angry. I get it. The only quadrant where people are happy is if you spend money and win. It's pretty rare. I guess the Padres are there. Does it count? So anyway, the Dodgers get together and they think about this offseason and they're facing some very difficult decisions. And the worst part about losing in baseball, and I had 17 years out of 18 where the season ended as a losing season. And I don't mean the regular season record. I mean, you either win the World Series or you've lost. Do you know we never even took a day off? We'd be back in the stadium the next day getting ready for next season. We would tell our people to take some time, but me and the president of baseball operations and the assistant GM or the GM, we were in the office the next day. We were looking at the roster, looking at roster management, looking at roster decisions that had to be made, looking at pending free agents. 
The Dodgers walked into Chavez Ravine after losing to the Padres, dragging their heels, totally despondent, saying, all right, what are we doing with Trey Turner? What are we doing with Clayton Kershaw? I know what we're doing with Joey Gallo. See you later. They've got a list of major free agents. So what you do when you've got a list of major free agents is you actually chart a plan as to when you're going to deal with each because some sometimes GMs will say, hey, we're going to take care of everyone at the same time, but you actually have to make a list and you have to make a priority. And for the Dodgers, they need to make sure that they have made a decision about Trey Turner. That is their first order of business. You can deal with your own free agent at any time. Other teams' free agents you can't deal with till five days after the World Series ends, but there's tampering that goes on, of course. And so the Dodgers need to decide, can they afford Trey Turner? And the answer is they can afford Trey Turner if they're willing to pay the luxury tax. If they can replace Trey Turner, they should, but the top of the lineup with Betts, Turner, and Freeman, you're looking at that and saying, we won 111 games. We got to bring it back. We can save on the edges. We can hope Justin Turner does not opt into the last year of his deal and we cannot re-sign him. We can let Joey Gallo go. We can let Andrew Heaney go. We can let Tyler Anderson go. But we've got to bring back, we've got to bring back Trey Turner. Justin Turner, by the way, is a club option, not a player option. So they have a decision. He's had two bad years in a row. He's the heart of that franchise. He is the soul of that franchise. And he's not worth the money for that franchise anymore. Even the Dodgers cannot pay funny money to players, which is funny money is the word I use for emotional money. Emotional money is when you just love a player and you don't want to let him go. It's sort of like what we did with Ichiro. We absolutely loved him, but we'd pay him, but it wasn't 16 or 20 million. The Turner option, I think, is $16 million. Justin Turner is not a $16 million player. You can do that with a million or two or three million or four million. You don't do it with 16, even when you're the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw is an example of a pitcher who you want to bring back. You need him in your rotation as a number three or four starter. He doesn't want to leave, and you've got to use your leverage to get him to agree to a smaller number because he's not worth 20 or $25 million as a starting pitcher. He's just not anymore. So it totally stinks. It totally stinks what the Dodgers are going through right now. But they're not alone. What about the Braves? The Braves were trying to defend their title. They thought they had it. They're playing the Phillies in the second round in the division series. They had a bye. They had their pitching lined up, and they lost three games to one just like the Dodgers did. It was the same exact situation. A divisional series with two teams in the same division, with two teams who had crushed the other their opponent, The Dodgers won by 22 games over the Padres. The Braves finished 14 games ahead of the Phillies. It should be a Braves and Dodgers LCS. But then the series started and they couldn't get Harper out. JT Realmuto ended up being likely one of the best players on the field. And Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola were better than any pitching that the Braves had. And the Braves forgot how to hit. The Braves, who had this amazing offense during the course of the season, that's the problem in the playoffs. That's why we say to you, hey, we just want to hit during the regular season. And if our bats go cold during the playoffs, so be it. If Aaron Judge doesn't hit during the playoffs, it is what it is. He's the MVP who had 62 home runs. Horse hockey. 
None of us actually believe that. We just want you to believe it so you don't realize how angry we are, how disappointed we are, and how upset you should be at us. The Braves are not going to be able to run it back next year. They didn't run it back after winning the World Series. They traded out Freddie Freeman for Matt Olson. They're not going to run back this team. They're going to find a way to not bring Ozuna back. They're not going to be able to re-sign Dansby Swanson, who's a free agent, who's going to try to get 15 or 20 to $25 million a year. He's good, but he's not that good over a long period of time. The Braves have all these young players signed. But Alex Anthopoulos, the general manager, president of baseball operations for the Braves, is at work today trying to figure out what he is going to do. I'm doing the show. I'll call you back. I always promised my kids I'd answer the phone when they call. Sorry, Coca. Okay. Four, six, eight, nine, ten. So Alex Anthopoulos is back at the drawing board because while front-facing, he told you, hey, great season. We're good. When they meet right now at Turner Field, they're trying to figure out what changes we're going to make. And this is a team that won the World Series a year ago. The Dodgers are doing it. They're a team that won the World Series two years ago. The Nationals are doing it. They're a team that won the World Series three years ago. And now they're the worst team in baseball. Baseball is such a difficult sport, which is why no one has repeated since 98 to 2000. And it's just a constant merry-go-round. You're, you're, you live by the clock like Tom Hanks in Castaway. You know the minute you're eliminated, you're back at the office and you have a countdown clock in your office to reporting date for spring training. It never ends. The decisions never end. But baseball, the commissioner's office, their job is to be more at 30,000 feet. Their job is to look at these playoffs and try to figure out, were they what we wanted them to be? Were the results just random? Or is this a trend that we're going to have to follow? Because if so, we're going to lose owners. Phillies Padres in the league championship series. Are you excited? I'm not. I am. Of course I am. I have to shout out, just so you know how I am on nothing personal, you know exactly my view of A.J. Preller. You know exactly my view of the San Diego Padres. I give them all the credit in the world. They beat the Dodgers three out of four. They beat the Mets two out of three. They've done it back to back. Now they are one of four teams standing. Five teams because the Yankees and Guardians are still standing. How many of you had the Padres Phillies in the LCS when the season started? How many of you had the Padres Phillies in the LCS when the playoffs started? How many of you had the Padres and Phillies in the LCS when the division series started? Predicting is a tough game. I predicted very clearly the Padres would not make it to the league championship series. I actually did a wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I did a wait to see on August 8th that the Padres would not make it to the LCS. Way back in August, they had acquired Juan Soto. Everyone was all excited. They got Hater. They got Josh Bell, remember, also from the Nationals. And I just remember thinking back in August, this is two months ago, more than two months ago, that they're just, they're not the second best team or the first best team in the National League. And I fell prey to the, hey, anything can happen in the playoffs. Can it? Nah, I didn't buy it. So the wait to see is wrong. August 8th, book it. 
So now we get the Padres and Phillies who start already tomorrow night, the same night that the NBA opens. We'll talk about both LCSs tomorrow. But I'm going to go back to despondent. We talked about fan bases who are despondent. We talked about front offices who are despondent. What about Major League Baseball? I've told you the story so many times about how despondent Bud Selig was when the Marlins got to the World Series and won the World Series. How upset he was because he wanted the Cubs against the Red Sox or the Yankees. How upset he was giving the trophy over to me and to Jeffrey Loria when he did after we won on October 25th. We're, it's the nine-year anniversary coming up in eight days. Well, Major League Baseball is watching the Guardians play the Yankees. Attention, all fans in Cleveland. Major League Baseball does not want your team to win. I have great respect for Michael Hill. He's a close friend and a majorly, um, uh, the top major league executive available. And when he runs a team, teams would be lucky to have him. He runs the umpires. He is a man of complete integrity. Mike Hill would never under any scenario ask umpires to call a game differently, ever. But other people in the commissioner's office would. You think that Major League Baseball wanted the Guardians to win last night against the Yankees? I'm just asking for a friend. You think? I'm asking for a friend who lives in Cleveland. I'm asking for a friend who loves the Guardians. You, in order to advance, have to have some crazy things happen, like a walk-off, like Oscar Gonzalez did in Game 3, which is just a complete bullpen implosion by the Yankees this weekend, which capped an insane day of baseball on Saturday, leading to total despondency for MLB and the Yankees. The Yankees come back, get a home run from Harrison Bader, beat the Guardians last night. Garrett Cole pitches great like an ace, like the ace that he should pitch, having a $324 million contract. And Major League Baseball is happy. There is a game tonight that will go against Monday Night Football, a terrible Monday Night Football game. I don't know why you would watch the Chargers-Broncos instead of Yankees-Guardians. The Guardians are a better team than the Yankees. Their bullpen is better. Their pitching is better. Their lineup is playing better. If Bader doesn't hit that home run, the Guardians win that game. Now, we can play if all we want. But you ask an executive, you match up the nine players versus the nine players, the 26 versus the 26, and you don't give names, you don't give contracts. People would build a team and have a team that's the Guardians more than the Yankees. We are so seduced by the pinstripes, so seduced by the names. But Major League Baseball is going to do everything in their power to make sure that the Yankees win game five tonight. They need the Yankees and the Astros in the LCS. They need it. And in order to get it, umpires are aware. Let's watch tonight for the strike zones. Let's watch tonight. Let's watch on the check swing calls. Let's watch on the little things. Am I impugning the integrity of the umpires? No. Like I don't with the referees who know who the superstars are and don't want them to foul out. What's the difference when an NBA referee doesn't make a call? What's the difference when an NFL referee calls roughing the passer? Does that mean they don't have integrity? That means they've got awareness of the entertainment value, of the financial value of a certain outcome. And I don't mean Tim Donahue style. 
I'm not talking about betting on games. I'd never have believed that umpires and NBA referees or NHL referees or NFL referees have an opportunity to change the outcome of a game. I've told you there's one example where I do believe it, and that is the spot foul pass interference when you can heave it into the end zone and you call pass interference and you give the team the ball in the one down five, you are impacting that game by throwing the flag. There is no way to do that in Major League Baseball or the NBA in that way. You can call six fouls on Jordan in the first 10 minutes, but the other team can pull them out. If you're the Bulls, you can pull out Jordan if he's got three fouls or James or Anthony Davis or whoever else. NFL referees in that pass interference play have the most unique opportunity to impact the outcome of a game. But Major League Baseball umpires are just as aware of circumstances as they are in the other sports. And the circumstance tonight is, hey, the Yankees have to advance. So you'd think that my pick of the day would be the Yankees, wouldn't you? Yeah, we'll find out in a minute what it is. But first, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to come, I want to talk to you about uh, a movie I watched uh, that was a pretty life-changing moment for me. And that doesn't happen all that often, but it may happen with you. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you. Please get on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, and hit subscribe. Very important. We're going to do some sort of raffle at ten, when we get to 10,000 subscribers. Coco, do we have, are we close? What are we, a couple hundred away? Just go to YouTube. It's the Nothing Personal with David Sampson channel, and please hit the subscribe button. Thank you. All right. I watch a movie every day, 
And one of you, I love the suggestions I get for everyone on Twitter at David P. Sampson or Instagram or however you're getting in touch with me, via, some of you via text actually. I watched something on Showtime called Nothing Compares. Nothing Compares is a documentary about a singer named Sinead O'Connor. When I say Sinead O'Connor, what do you think of? Some people think of nothing compares to you, the song. Some people think of what she did on Saturday Night Live when she ripped up a picture of Pope John Paul. Some people think of her bald head. I watched this movie, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. And I don't know that she listens to nothing personal. My guess is she doesn't. But if anyone knows Sinead O'Connor, who's listening, and that's possible, even if you're within six degrees, can you get her a message from one random guy named David Sampson? Just a 54-year-old guy who was in the exact time of life when you were doing your thing. And please tell Sinead how sorry I am. And here's why I'm sorry. I let the media back in the 80s dictate my view of her. I thought she was just crazy. I thought that she had mental problems. I allowed the media to control the narrative and to ruin her life. I'm complicit because I didn't care enough or know enough to listen to the message wasn't smart enough to understand what she was doing. Sinead O'Connor was decades ahead of her time. She got canceled before cancel culture. She was calling out child abuse in the church and no one was listening. How many times have you tried to call something out in your neighborhood? Wait till I review the Dahmer documentary, the Dahmer limited series. How many of you have tried to get attention to something and just been shut down? But then famous people, when they say something, all of a sudden everyone pays attention. But then when a famous person says something that shouldn't be listened to because it can hurt the feelings of many, they're disappeared. We disappeared Sinead O'Connor when all she was trying to do was tell us what was happening, not just in her home country of Ireland, but around the world and we all missed it. Shame on you and shame on me. Let's help her out and not just watch the documentary on Showtime because it's a phenomenal documentary. But how about if we help her out by maybe giving the benefit of the doubt to the next person, by maybe not allowing the media to so manipulate us or social media to so manipulate us? We're willing to make decisions, rash decisions, when we don't have the full complement of information. Are you willing? I am. Sinead, nothing does compare to you. You're not going to hear the song in the documentary because it's a Prince song and the estate of Prince would not give permission to use the song in the documentary. But you're going to learn all about her life why she made the decision she made, whether she has regret, where she is now. Spoiler alert, did you know she's still a successful touring singer? It's called Nothing Compares. Check it out. What price would you pay to be a dynasty? What price would you pay 
to be the best in your company. Let's say that you work at Avis. What price would you pay to beat out Hertz and Enterprise and the other rental car companies? When you're working at Pepsi, what would you do to make sure that Coke gets disappeared? Do you crave the competition or do you want to blow it out of the water? Are you willing to lose money? Spitefully? You know the expression to cut off your nose to spite your face? What that actually means is, are you willing to do something that doesn't benefit you just because it will hurt somebody else? That's what that expression means. Have you ever done that? Where you're so angry with someone or so jealous of someone that you'll do something that you don't want to do because you think for whatever reason it'll impact the other person? Have you ever been to high school or college or law school or a job or a family? We all have a proclivity to do things that are not in our best interest when we think the result will be something that we predict will make us feel better about ourselves. It is the single most irrational human behavior that is ingrained in our DNA. How does this relate to sports? There are teams out there who are willing to do anything to win anything. Does that make them the best? Are you a huge fan of teams who are willing to just throw caution to the wind like we talked about in the beginning of the show? Well, the Golden State Warriors are an example of a team that make me smile. They make me smile because I had the impression that they were smarter than everybody else. I had the impression that they had a front office with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr where they had the ability to not just make better decisions, but to find a way to make this team competitive year after year, win year after year with a winning culture, with a winning arena that prints money. The new arena called Oracle Arena where the Warriors play, it's a money machine. They make let's say $10 million per home game. You play 41 home games, you're making 400 million in local revenue. They are doing very, very well. The NBA has something called the luxury tax. Anytime you have a salary cap, so for all of you people who want a salary cap in baseball, the luxury tax that exists in baseball is peanuts compared to the one that exists in basketball. When you go over the tax, the penalty you pay is significant. Do you know that the Golden State Warriors next year are gonna have a payroll of $215 million? $215 million. <laughs> I can't even. They have 15 players on their team, not 26. Anyway, I digress. Do you know the tax that they're paying? $268 million. That means their total payroll is $483 million. Find me a team with a payroll that high. Now, not all that money goes to the players. Half that money goes back into a fund where the luxury tax gets paid into and gets used for various things, including things with the union, but it doesn't go into the player's pocket. Do you think... Joe Lacobe, 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 the owner of the Warriors, do you think that he is losing money? Lacob, thank you, it is Lacob, thank you, Coca. 
Do you think the Warriors are losing money on an operational basis? They are not. But does that mean that it's okay for them to have a payroll of $483 million? What is your view of that as a fan of the NBA, as a fan of sports? Many of you are going to say the following. What do we care? He bought the team for $450 million 12 years ago. The team's probably worth $3 billion now. And the team's making money operationally. Who cares? Let his payroll be $600 million. They want to keep Draymond Green? Let him keep Draymond Green. They want to sign Jordan Poole to ridiculous $140 million contract? Sign him. They want to sign Wiggins to $100 million? $100 million for Andrew Wiggins? He was a castaway for crying out loud. He's a great role player for the Warriors. $25 million a year for Andrew Wiggins? On top of the fact that they're paying Clay and Stefan, who, of course, you'd pay them anything. It all goes back to the concept of business for me. If you know that not only do you make money operationally, but your assets increasing in value, doesn't that mean that you can run your expenses up to the level of your revenue? Doesn't it mean that you can have almost reckless indifference to the rest of your competition because you're a printing press? That's what happens in business. Lest you think that the Golden State Warriors are not run like a business or that the NBA is not a business or that sports is not a business. What these owners do is they run it exactly like their other businesses. When their team does not make money, no matter how much their team is worth, their payrolls do not escalate. When their team makes money, they spend it because they don't use the operating cash flow to live because these owners don't need to. In the old days, when owner's net worth was based on the value of the team and they were illiquid like Bud Selig in Milwaukee, he would run the team making sure that he had enough money because he owned the business that he could live with the profit from the team on an annual basis. And that's how you all run your businesses, isn't it? Every business you work for is trying to make cash operating, not operating income, not net profit. They want actual cash at the end of the year. I mean, that is net profit, but they want cash that they can then distribute, that they can use to live on and put back into the economy. Do you think that if you had more cash in your company, that your company would either A, reinvest it in further research and development or expansion or something that would help the company make more money, bring it to the next level, Of course they would. All the Warriors are doing right now, and this is getting a lot of attention in the business world, a lot of attention in front offices. All the Warriors are doing is spending money they have, which is way better than teams who spend money they don't have and borrow money and use credit facilities to do it. You want to encourage teams to make more money and then to spend it. If I'm the owner of the Warriors, I'm livid that I'm paying $280 million in luxury tax. I'd rather pay it to players. Guess who else is livid? Players. If you've got a team willing to have a payroll of $500 million, you want that $500 million going to the 15 guys on the team. Guess who doesn't want that? The other owners. In other industries, you don't have a choice and you get crushed by a team or by a company like the Warriors. In sports, you make it so, hey, We're not going to get crushed. We're going to impose such a tax and make sure he can't spend it on his payroll, on his actual players, and we're going to make him pay it elsewhere, and that'll teach him. That'll lower his payroll. And that works great if the team is losing money, but not if the team is making money. 
It is fascinating to watch what's going on with the Golden State Warriors. They are a financial machine and no one talks about them. They're bigger than the Yankees, the Cowboys, all of them. The Warriors are that successful. Who's talking about them? I am. We are 119 and 93. We had a tough weekend on nothing personal pick of the day. One and two. Don't like that. We had the Dodgers over the Padres on Friday. Who knew? Who knew that the Padres were going to beat the Dodgers? Not me. Astros over the Mariners Saturday. I'm taking the credit for the win, but McCullers pitched great, but we needed Luis Garcia to pitch five innings from the 13th to the 18th inning. Doesn't matter. A win's a win. Astros beat the Mariners. Congrats to the Mariners. They made it back to the postseason. They ended up only hosting one game, but they got two games worth of play for their one game, going 18 innings. They are a team that is going to be good next year again, and we won that pick. So yesterday, I'm watching... After Saturday, watching baseball for 12 hours. Yesterday, I watched football and then baseball at night. But the 425 game was Chiefs against Bills. And I thought I had it nailed when the Chiefs were underdogs at home. How can the Chiefs be underdogs at home? It makes no sense. The Chiefs are a better team than the Bills. Mahomes is a better quarterback than the Bills. They're getting two and a half points. This is going to be a winner. The Bills ended up winning 24-20. Patrick Mahomes threw an interception in the red zone. He threw an interception at the end of the game. It's hard to pick winners. If you had the Buffaloes given two and a half in Kansas City, good for you. I didn't. Chargers over Broncos tonight is the Monday night game. There's two things going on. Are more millions of you going to watch the Chargers Broncos than the game five Yankees Guardians? Is that really about what's going to happen? Are the Monday Night Football ratings going to be like 15 million and the Yankees-Guardians game is going to be 3 million? Is that the reality where there is a winner-take-all, a deciding game five with the Yankees, with Aaron Judge, with Giancarlo Stanton, and you want to watch Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert? Is it gambling? Is it fantasy? It can't be anything else. Try to go back and forth at least. So I'm going to give you picks for both in case you want to watch football or in case you want to watch baseball. I'm taking the Chargers four and a half over the Broncos because I'm going to continue to pick against Russell Wilson until Rob Walton realizes that he made a mistake as the new owner of the Broncos and he's got to eat the Russell Wilson contract, find a way to get rid of it, find a way to trade him, release him, do something, put his home back on the market, the biggest home in Denver, etc. Great part of the community, very happy for him, but he's not good anymore. He will not lead you to a Super Bowl. He can't even do a Peyton Manning for you, and the Broncos may have a memory that Peyton Manning Super Bowl and the Broncos was because of the defense, not because of Peyton Manning. So could the Broncos win a Super Bowl because of the defense, not because of Russell Wilson? Maybe, but that was a bit more of a unicorn. Chargers four and a half over the Broncos. All right, what about the Yankees-Guardians game? Because of the lockout, wait till you see the schedule for the LCS. Next round, Padres-Phillies and Astros against the winner of tonight's Yankees-Guardians game. They're playing games one and two in a row. They're taking an off day between games two and three, and then four, five, six, seven are all in a row. No off day. Sorry, after one and two, there is an off day. Three, four, five, six, seven. I knew that sounded wrong. Five games in a row. That means you have to have five pitchers. Nobody has five pitchers. I guess you could start the pitcher from game three and game seven. Short rest, no problem. 
for the Yankees if they win tonight. That'll be Garrett Cole pitching game three. That's the example of rotations backwards. Garrett Cole will not be able to pitch game one of the LCS, which starts on Wednesday, if the Yankees can win tonight. So you have a deciding game in a playoff, and you've got two bullpen games. How does MLB feel about that? It used to be a huge deal. Now it doesn't matter. Now it's normal. We had bullpen starts in the World Series, for crying out loud, last year. And we're going to see it again this year, all throughout the playoffs. So who has the better bullpen? The Guardians. They're rested and better. So do you pick the Guardians over the Yankees in Yankee Stadium? What kind of small market team, low revenue team, can win a playoff game and win a series in Yankee Stadium? It seems almost impossible. I'm taking the Guardians. Guardians over the Yankees. MLB doesn't want it. TBS doesn't want it. Fox doesn't want it. Here's the problem. The Yankees going with Jamison Talon and then to their bullpen, they've got a guy who's pitched four days in a row in Wandy Peralta. I guess they could pitch him five days in a row. They've got Clay Holmes, who they don't want to pitch two days in a row. They pitched him yesterday. They're going to have to pitch him two days in a row. Whereas the Guardians are in a position to do something that will have an impact on all of Major League Baseball. And guess what? As a former Marlins guy, it'll make me smile because the owner of the Guardians will call up Rob Manford after the game and say, hey, it's just business. See in the LCS, this is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.